Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, you are very welcome to the Tonight Show. A referendum on gender equality will take place in November. Tonight we ask is the reference to a woman's place in the home in the constitution outdated and sexist? Labour Party leader Ivana Bacic is calling for Housing Minister Dara O'Brien to cancel his St Patrick's Day trip to the United States next week as fallout continues amid government's lifting of the eviction ban. And later, Claire Brock meets the family of Bernard Phelan, the Irish man who has been imprisoned in Iran. Bernard is in a uh, notorious prison in Mashhad. He's uh, sharing a, a large cell with uh, 18, 19 other people. Um, he has no tables, no chairs, there's no windows. Do join our conversation online with your comments and your questions. It's hashtag #TonightVMTV. government has confirmed a referendum on gender equality will be held later this year with proposals for constitutional amendments to be published by the end of June. The recommended amendments to articles 40 and 41 of the constitution included the woman within the home reference be deleted and replaced. Well, here in studio with me to debate this issue further is Labour Party leader Ivana Bacic, News Talk Breakfast presenter Shane Coleman, Fianna Fáil TD Neve Smith and broadcaster Wendy Grace and via Skype this evening senior law lecturer at the University of Limerick Dr Laura Cahalan you are all very welcome to the program i'm going to go to you first um Dr Cahalan so for people who at home who aren't perhaps familiar with the text of these two particular articles within the constitution you might give people an idea of what exactly is under scrutiny at the moment Yeah so first of all I suppose it's it's relevant to say that we haven't actually received clarity on how many referendums we're going to have so the press release today mentioned one or more referendums but certainly we are going to be looking at the uh, the woman in the home referendum which is uh, article 41.2 of the constitution and it has been a quite controversial provision because of the fact that the language in it speaks about a woman's life within the home and it speaks about a mother's duties within the home and obviously at the time it was written that would have been very much reflective of Irish society at the time it was also very influenced by papal encyclicals at the time which spoke about the woman's place and a woman being befitted for housework uh, but obviously in this day and age that has become very outdated uh, having these sorts of uh, gendered references in the constitution are not considered um reflective of Irish society at the time as well as that it's important to note that this article has never been of any legal benefit it has never grounded any legal rights for women or for carers so that's why we 
we are now looking at taking it out and not only taking it out, but replacing it with something that actually would have value for carers. Or at least that's what we're hoping the government will do when they publish the, the wording in June, uh, because we haven't yet heard what they're going to do. But uh, we're hoping that they will follow on from the recommendations made by the Citizens' Assembly and the Joint Oireachtas Committee on Gender Equality, which did recommend a strong form replacement, which would recognise the value of care in the home and actually provide potentially for a cause of action that it would oblige the state to take reasonable measures to support care which would potentially be transformative for carers. Okay, but it wouldn't define, obviously, what a carer is. No, the Citizens' Assembly wanted to leave that uh, pretty wide. So they were asked, did they want to uh, look at care within the home or to speak about care more widely? And they were very much of the opinion that we should be looking at care more widely, so not even specifying care within the home, but simply have a recognition of the idea of care more generally in society. Okay, and there's another article, it's Article 41.1, that talks about sort of marriage being the foundation of the family and the family being protected by... The the state. Is that potentially going to come up for debate too? Uh, hopefully. So uh, Article 41.3 of the Constitution tells us that the family uh, is founded on marriage. So for that reason, the way the courts have interpreted the Constitution is that the only family that's protected and recognised by the Constitution is the family based on marriage. So that has had a massive impact in terms of the various different forms of family that we have in society. But it means there's absolutely no protection for families other than those based on marriage. So a lot of people don't realise, for example, an unmarried father has absolutely no constitutional rights, is not recognised as a parent, has no rights to his children under the constitution. And again, what the All Citizens' right. Assembly recommended is that we should have a wider definition of the family and that it wouldn't be limited simply to the marital family. Okay, let me put some of this to our panel. I want to start with that article 41.2, um, Neve Smith, that says, by her life within the home, the woman gives state a support, etc., etc., etc. And it goes on to talk about um, a woman not being able to neglect her duties within the home. Do you find that sexist? Do you find it offensive? It's quite archaic at this day and age. I don't think it's reflective of society at all. Uh, thankfully, we've seen a huge ch shift in society where w women really are in leadership roles. There's you know, women or men can be the person to stay at home and that's the way it should be. It should be a choice, uh, not, you know, dictating to women that, that is your place in society or your place in home. And thankfully, you see more women, female broadcasters, more female politicians, more female county managers and, and various, I suppose roles that give uh, opportunity and it's, it's like saying seeing is, is believing so for the next generation coming on I think it's absolutely crucial I don't there might be a potential female Taoiseach next time round you never know you never that's what, know if that's but what I, the polls think... uh, if they are to be believed uh, what do you think uh, Wendy would you like to see that particular provision um, deleted completely well, I suppose we have to wait to see what the proposed wording is going to be. But I think that there should be, as has been outlined, obviously recognition for care. But what's interesting to me is obviously that line about the obligation that, you know, a woman by economic necessity should have to work. But I think the actual pendulum has swung in the other direction. And by that, I mean, you know, when we're looking at the history of this, it was a time, sadly, when women had no choice other than to work in the home. However, now the pendulum has swung in the other direction where many women across the country 
are out of economic necessity having to work outside of the home. And when you look at all of the research that's been done on this, the vast majority of women who are working full-time outside of the home, when they're asked if you had the economic means to stay at home with your children, especially in the early years, the vast majority say they would rather stay at home. So now we're actually forcing women out to work rather than giving them the authentic choice to say, I can stay at home and care for my children or okay. can my or can dad or whoever else or I can work or both. But the constitution hasn't protected that at all, has it? So well, it what issue do you have it, with it? Hasn't done that. It has, has done the opposite. Now we're seeing the opposite, that women are obliged out of economic necessity to work outside of the home. And, and I so think... So in terms of, of a woman or a man's role within the home, do you think that needs to be recognised and enshrined within our constitution? Yeah, I think it should be valued, the whole, um, this whole part of society and that it's to motherhood in particular is totally undervalued. And it's very sad to see um, a, a recent piece of research that was done said only 10% uh, of mothers felt valued. And I thought that was heartbreaking. Um, but to I totally agree with it because I think and we do all you think that. by deleting a provision like this, mothers will feel even more undermined and underappreciated and undervalued? I don't, I don't think that there's many women that feel that this particular wording has done anything to add to them being oppressed. I don't think it's ha made an impact. I'm not sure that changing it or taking it out of the constitution because it doesn't have any uh, legal basis, but that might change, as was suggested. Um, but for me, it's more that a sad consequence of the discussion seems to be a subtext of devaluing those who choose to stay at home to care for their children. Um, is there a danger, though, in this particular language that is used by her life within the home, that it reflects a negative view that a woman's should be confined to the home and the home only? Yeah, I think obviously some of the elements of the language are problematic. I'd, I would like to see it more gender neutral. Um, you know, whoever is caring for children in the home. But we all have duties in the home, you know, th there is that element of it too. But I think that yeah. I would just like the discussion more to actually reflect what Irish women are saying in terms of um, supporting the choices that they want to make. Right now, we're not being given that choice because we're being pushed into particular situations to work outside of the home, often at a time when children are young. And then it is interesting to see how sometimes even other women put one another down. For example, there was a report done by Solis and it found that the majority of women who were well-educated, had good capability to earn well, chose to work in the home and care for their children. When that report was released, one of the presenters at, at um, the, the press conference said that fact, that women saying, actually, I'm, ha I'm, I'm happy to be with my children at this time. She said it was like a sucker punch to the gut. So basically women are telling other women, you're only valued and okay. important if you have a career and uh, you know what's on your business card, but not if you choose to stay at home with your children. Uh, Ivana Bacic, are you surprised by what uh, Wendy said? Because you've campaigned for a long time for these particular articles to be amended or deleted. Well, first of all, just to say I very much welcome the government's announcement today that they will hold a referendum in November to change the outdated and indeed sexist language about women and mothers and to replace that with the gender-neutral recognition of care because for far too long we haven't valued care sufficiently in our society. And I was very proud to chair the Oireachtas Committee on Gender Equality that was asked 
asked and required, requested to uh, bring forward a set of proposals to government on how to implement the Citizens' Assembly recommendations. We had great help from Laura Cahalan and others. We heard evidence okay. from a wide array of groups, including carers' organisations and including groups of those who receive care. And we heard from them about the need to amend our constitution and to put in place a whole range of other measures to but ensure what the, that care is valued. But what is the point that Wendy's main, making here, that by sort of removing this, you're feeding into that idea that mothers, particularly mothers who wish to stay at home in Ireland, are being undervalued? I think what our proposal and indeed the government's acceptance of that shows is that there's huge support for a recognition of the value of care in society, whoever is providing the care, be it the mother, the father, or indeed a carer or a, or a child, because we know there are many children who have to care for dependent adults. So there's a whole array of people providing care in society now in Ireland. We all know this. And for far too long, we haven't valued what they're doing. And the constitution in the context... But how, I suppose the other thing is how putting it into the Constitution, will we value it anymore? Well, we have come up on a cross-party basis, and Neil was a member of our committee, a cross-party basis, we have come up with a precise form of wording to put to the people that would ensure that we are valuing care and further, as Laura pointed out, that we're providing a requirement on the state to take reasonable measures to support care, yeah, both within and outside the home. But I should say, Kira, that there's a whole range of other recommendations in our report. We want to see constitutional change to ensure a more inclusive definition definition of family. That is critical. We see a case currently on appeal to the Supreme Court mm -hmm. taken by a man called Johnny O'Mara who was who's very tragically who lost his partner and his the, the, the and the mother of their three children but because they were not married was not entitled to the spousal supports from the state that a husband a widowed husband would have received. So that's the very practical impact okay. of the narrow I... restrictive and outdated language currently in article 41. Okay. We need to see that change. Shane, I know you have concerns about putting in something like um, Ivana suggested there, a recognition of carers yeah. within the home. Uh, uh, Why care? I should say oh, it's care, care. Or carers, yeah. or those yeah. who provide care, which could be With, interpreted be, as carers. Well, just to be clear, Kira, we were very careful in our, in our proposed wording that we weren't setting up a hierarchy where we were creating a set of rights for carers at the expense of those receiving care. As I say, we heard from a, a number of different groups and individuals with lived experience okay. of receiving care. And our, our and the point... The well, no, no, okay. Okay. No, no, Shane, let me just let Shane... Language, sorry, Ivana. It, language let, it is in the incredibly important. It's hugely important. And it's very important to say we are calling for support for care. As for care. OK, okay Shane. Uh, sorry, just first off, I, I think the, the article should be deleted. I think it is outdated and sexist. My worry is what you put in there. And I, I, I think we know from relatively recent experience the difficulties that can be caused by putting things in the Constitution. Article 8, we of the... Uh, um, or not Article 8, uh, the Eighth Amendment, which mm -hmm. we recently uh, repealed. We saw the unintended consequences. It seemed like a great idea at the time to many people. I think 66% of people voted for it and then we saw the problems that it caused. Uh, like, my questions would be, I mean, why, why value... And sorry, I should stress the outset, what carers do is amazing. This is not in any way a criticism of them. But Although why... Ivana's saying this isn't about carers, this is well, about it's both. It's those both. who well, provide care. Okay. No, it's, it's both. But what's it's the both. Okay. Okay. both. But, but you're but, saying, Shane... Well, a couple of things. Why elevate one group of people above another group of people in the Constitution? What wording do you use? What's your definition of carers? Is a carer a grandparent who, who minds kids in the home? Is it the older brother who walks his little sister to school every day? And then is it purely symbolic that you're putting it in there or will there be socioeconomic rights attached? If it's purely symbolic, then I'm asking a question, 
why bother? If there's socioeconomic okay. rights, and no, but just let yeah. me let, just yeah, yeah. To finish so the on. point. If there's socioeconomic rights in, uh, that, uh, attached to that, then this, could the state potentially be on the hook? for billions of years. Could you have people taking a claim saying, well, I'm also involved in care, so I'm entitled to a certain level of payment. I just think the scope for uncertainty here All is right. huge. All right. And I would let you respond to that. Well, as you can see, it, it could, this could turn into a very heated debate. But, I mean, I, I think every, broadly everybody is saying that we would be happy to see that wording deleted. Uh, Ivana... But what are, we, are we going to replace it? Do we need to replace it? Are we going to replace it with this idea of care? And are you worried about what Shane's worried about, that that is open to all sorts of interpretations? Well, I, I mean, it's too of vague. course, of course. But I, I would kind of go back to Wendy's point where I'd, I'd like to see it maybe be more gender neutral in mm. terms of the replacement of it. But when it comes to care, it, ha it has that care piece and that care work that has been done at home and part of the family has been something that, you know, has been undervalued. And I think to leave it as it is in, in, in the Constitution, if that's what we're going to say, certainly wouldn't do but anything But why does it need that. to be elevated, as Shane says? Why does it need to be elevated? You mean deleted or taken out altogether? No, elevated. Why do we need to have this specific recognition? of care within something as precious as our because, constitution. Because it, because it isn't recognised at the moment and we aren't doing anything to value those who are at home providing that care and providing to, to have that kind I, of family I, I, think, I think it's politicians' virtue signalling. I, I really do. And that, again, I, I don't mean to sound glib about that. I don't mean to in any way undermine what carers do. They do incredible things. I think this is politicians' virtue signalling. Could, could I respond to that? No, do, could I respond no, do, to that? Because, you know, I'm a lawyer as well as a, a public representative and, you know, I can see the attraction to simply deleting the sexist and outdated language. I think there would mm. be widespread support for that. But, Shane, what has persuaded me as the chair of the committee that it would be better not just to delete but to replace with mm. a different provision value in care, what has convinced me is actually the testimony we heard from those with lived experience of both giving and receiving care and it's the work... But what's, yeah, Let me yes, but what's the point? Sorry, sorry, sorry Ivana what, what right does it Let extend? Me. That's what that's the point that Shane is making. Okay. Does it extend socioeconomic rights to those who come under that definition of care? No, we thought it about doesn't that? extend to direct socioeconomic rights. So I think Shane's fears are unfounded. But what it does do is in our basic fundamental law of the land, our document which sets out the aspirations and the goals for our society, it for the first time will provide for a, a, a bedrock statement of the value which care provides to our society. And the Citizens' Assembly, the 100 citizens who came together, who made the recommendation which we took forward, they worked okay. during COVID okay. at a time when we all saw just what how about, fundamental care is to our society. Okay, what it's about the, the wider... All right, society. Ivana. What about the wider issue that Wendy uh, raised there, which is that we did have this protection within the Constitution that we would not um, oblige mothers by economic necessity to engage in labour to the neglect of their duties at home. That by deleting that, we are creating a society that does not allow for women or men to stay at home in the home place and look after their children if that's what they want to do. That's the kind of society we've yeah, created. I, I don't buy that. Well, I don't buy that. How, how you tackle that, and if we want to give people proper choices, you do that by uh, providing jobs, by providing uh, housing, by providing social welfare support. I don't think you do that through the Constitution. Yeah, but yeah, I, I agree with you there. But when it comes to you know the government providing adequate support for those who want to shock her, mind their own children, Everything that government policy is doing at the moment is contrary to that because they will subsidise everything except you looking after your own child. 
Okay, so you'll get subsidies for and only 13% of people choose a crash for their children to be cared in. I'm one of those people. Um, but anything else, you know, the money does not follow the child. It follows institutionalised childcare. We see, uh, again, it's a, not saying it's not a welcome announcement. Well, you, of, could, you could say child benefit doesn't. Yes, but when it comes to the subsidies for actual child care. So and what, what are you and saying then, Wendy, that, that the, the state should start subsidising a mother or a father or paying a mother or a father well, if they whatever, choose to whatever stay at subsidies home are, to look after their children? So through the National Child Care Scheme, you are given a, a, a certain amount per hour that your child is in institutionalised child care. Now that's going to be extended to child minders that are registered with TUSLA. That should also be given to the, the grandparent parent who is caring for the child in the home because you're basically incentivising, you're basically saying... Um, and that's the whole idea of the pendulum going in the other direction, where but they're policy you're, decisions. You're, they're yeah, policy. but there are things that's that need to change. Job. That's not the job for the constitution, and we can have that debate. And you're making very fair points, but I think have that debate. Why in the is it Oireachtas. not the job for the constitution? Surely that's the best place to protect. Because it. you can't. I don't think you can. You can make day-to-day -day decisions, uh, and and things change, and values change, and families change, and uh, I, I don't think you can make those decisions and put it in a inalienable right in the constitution. I think you that's have to. Not you have to leave that here. to government. No, sorry, I'm talking about no. in relation to this particular point. I don't think it'll make a difference. Well, it's actually about okay, what governments do or don't do. Back to that point, um, Neve. Do you think, as a society, we have gone, as Wendy says, too far the other way? That we have created structures now that mean that a parent who wants to stay at home to look after their children simply isn't, because of economic necessity, able to do so. And is that wrong? I, of course, I would have to agree with Wendy. And I've often thought that myself. You know, I grew up where my mum did stay at home and reared the two of us and, you know, didn't really have the option to go to work because, you know, she had to leave the civil servants when I was born. That was just the way it was when we got married. And now we have gone completely the other way. If, if, we, if, if mums wanted to stay at home now, they really don't have the option. They really don't. And I know the first thing Shane is going to say is that's policy. And yes, and I suppose the government's job is to try and support both the, the, the father or the mother to, um, to, to go. I suppose we've worked so hard to encourage women to get out, to take the leadership roles. You know, there has been that piece has maybe been missed. And you now have a generation, I think, of women that actually don't have the option to stay at home if they want with their child. So I, I do concur with what you say, Wendy, in the sense that we have a bit, we, we, we kind of have to try and get the balance a little bit better than it is. But at the it's minute. not just the government. You know, women's groups that claim to represent all women. When you look at a lot of the press releases statements today, it's all about um, women who are working outside of the home. It's, and they, of course, I'm just saying that. And what do you think be, now that we're, we're valuing women working outside of the home too much? Not too much. It's just that those who are working inside the home are not valued at all. I certainly don't feel valued. I, I'm, the, I'm a working mum, okay? I'm the first to say we have so much work to do in terms of proper flexibility, you know, policies in workplaces that ensures equal maternity and paternity leave so there's a level, level playing field. But unfortunately, many women's groups who claim to represent all women are only pushing for this side of things and not pushing for those who work in the home to be equally supported, protected and valued. Okay, Ivana? Well, look, I, I don't know which groups Wendy's talking about. I think the reality... Well, the National Women's well, Council no, statement today no, no. basically I, was all, I, all geared toward finish. women in the workplace. The National Women's Council... Work, and child care. Well, no I, mention I, I, of women the working National in the National Women's Council, and I think all groups that are working on women's rights, genuinely, from a feminist perspective, okay. are looking for choices for women. The Citizens' Assembly, a group of 100 citizens, mm. came together and devised a set of 45 recommendations. OK, but sorry to cut across Ivana, just to go equality. to the point that Wendy and I think now Neve are saying is that we don't have a choice. Women don't have a choice because 
the way the economy is set up now, you have to go out to work, well, I even think if you don't want what's to. What's most unfortunate is those women and men who I hear mm. from every day in my own constituency, and I represent Dublin Bay South, very diverse constituency, and I hear every day from people who cannot afford rents or mortgages in their constituency, who cannot afford childcare in their constituency, where they want to go out and work, they mm. can't get a childcare place, and that's down to failures of government. Okay, that's but what about this idea of subsidising? So specifically, we should subsidise women or men, if they want to stay at home. That's one well, of the But we're penalised at the about. moment through tax individualisation. Okay. Well, it's but, but, but what you said was the, 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 the So you're not, no, not only are you not subsidised, we're penalised if you choose to stay okay. at home with your Just children. to that point. I think we need to ensure there are supports there to enable women and indeed men mm. who to make the choices they want to make that are right for them in their own lives, to stay at home if they wish when their children are young or to go out to work. The problem is currently we don't have adequate childcare provision for those who do want to go out to work. We don't have the sort of affordable publicly funded childcare system that okay, we see in every back, other European country. Back to the so idea. the if genuine you want, choices are not okay, there. Currently. If you want to stay at home. If you want to stay at home, what I think should we, we need, do for you? Well, then we need to ensure that we have decent housing policy, that we have decent mm. provisions of the sort of the sort of supports that mean people won't feel forced by economic necessity to go out to work oh, where right. they want to stay at home in an early years. But can I say this? The current text of the Constitution was sought to be used in the past. Mm. Uh, you know, people tried to take women tried to use it to to require the state to support them in the home, it and, didn't. The, and the court ruled no, against didn't, them. Yeah. The no, no, against them. So it's it said current, nothing precluded the current text a woman from needs to, work. to change, and I think there, I think All right. there's widespread agreement about that. All right, look, we're going to have to leave it there. My thanks to uh, Dr Laura Cullahan and to uh, my panel. Most of them are staying with me. Uh, after the break, should he stay or should he go? Calls for Housing Minister to postpone his St Patrick's Day visit to the US to deal with the fallout from the eviction ban. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. You're very welcome back. Well, the government has announced the biggest ever St. Patrick's Day programme, which will see members of the government jet head off to destinations across the world. The Taoiseach and the Tarnishta will both travel to the US for St. Patrick's Day, while Green Party leader Eamon Ryan will fly to Singapore and China. However, there have been calls this evening by the Labour Party for the Housing Minister, Dara O'Brien, not to travel abroad amid a deepening housing crisis. My panel has stayed with me to discuss this, and I'm going to come to you, uh, Shane, because look, uh, every year there are questions raised about whether or not ministers yeah. should be jetting off uh, around the world to, to promote Ireland or Ireland Inc. This year it's, it's bigger than ever. Even the Attorney General himself is, is heading off on the trip. Is it 
all necessary, every one of them to go, every minister I, I, and junior I think minister. So. Now, to be fair, Ivan is making a more nuanced point, and we'll mm. maybe get to that in a second. Yes, but we will. Just in, in, the gen, in the round, I have zero time for the, oh, they're heading off again. Like, we have this extraordinary day, St. Patrick's Day, as a tiny country that is valued all across the world, that's celebrated all across the world. We have this one day we're in the shop window. Of course, we should send every minister, every junior minister across the globe to sell our country, to take advantage of this extraordinary opportunity. I mean, so this I, time around, there's no cabinet minister. Usually there's one or two or you know, even a junior minister left behind. I don't think there's anybody this year. And you know what? The world will continue to, to spin on its axis and the country will continue to run. But it, as I say, I, it's, it's an extraordinary opportunity and I think we should absolutely maximise it. And I have zero time mm. for the kind of nonsense that's generally spouted about other... Oh, they're they're all the way in a jolly and, and it's a great jolly and, and, and a junket. I think we need to sell the country and we have this incredible opportunity. I think it would be remiss and stupid of us not to do so. Now, the point Ivan is making is a more nuanced one in the context of the housing minister and what's going on at the moment. I'm not entirely persuaded by it, I have to say. All I right, well, let's listen yeah, to okay, well, yeah, sorry, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm putting the for. cart before the horse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Why do you think, You're Ivana... You're retaliation yeah, early, yeah. Shane. Uh, Darrow Bryan is meant to go to, I think, Atlanta and Savannah next week uh, to promote Ireland. Why do you think he should cancel that trip on this occasion? Well, first of all, can I say I agree with Shane. I, I don't have any time for the sort of populist nonsense that says ministers shouldn't go abroad. Of course they should go abroad. Of course, global Ireland is a big, it's a big opportunity. Um, I've absolutely no difficulty with that. The reason why I made this call this evening is in the context of a decision made by government unexpectedly this week where they just decided not to extend the eviction moratorium with the result that we're going to see families, and I'm hearing already in my own constituency from families and individuals who are now going to be facing eviction notices they're going to be facing a cliff edge of evictions starting from the 1st of April because the ban on evictions will have ended. And it was widely expected that government would extend the ban even for a short number of months to save people from that cliff edge. So it was unexpected when on Monday night and then Tuesday morning they announced that they would not extend the ban and the Minister for Housing said instead they would bring forward other measures to support renters. What are these other measures? We've seen various kites flown about what they are. We know that the measures that are currently in place simply haven't been working. The tenant in situ scheme where local authorities can buy houses from landlords who wish to sell in order to keep the tenants in their homes. Mm. That scheme has not worked. Our own council... So he needs to be here... To, to at the helm, ensuring that all of those measures are put in place and put in place well, quickly. Look, I wouldn't have suggested he should stay at home if the eviction ban were to be extended if I thought there were policies being, being put in place by government now that would work to keep families out of homelessness. But the reality is, from 31st March, people are going to be facing evictions. You know, he has said there is a range of measures he's going to be bringing forward. Well, let's see him work on those. Let's see some flesh put on the bones of the proposals that are being made, which are okay. good proposals, some of them. They're very welcome. But let's see what's... You know, you know, how, That's what gonna, his priority how is he going to do be. that? Because the tenant in situ scheme, put it this way, Dublin City Council, so far this year, only seven houses have been bought by Dublin City Council under the tenant in situ scheme. In January and February. That was when I spoke to him yesterday. He said that's seven that were closed in January That were closed. There's 173 in process. In process yeah. But that's in the context of 11,754 right. people on the homeless list currently. A record number, the highest okay. since records began. This is not a time for the minister to be on a midnight train to Georgia. Or, <laughs> you know, let's put it this way. There's nine ministers going to the US for Patrick's Day. Georgia is not, I would have thought, 
the top priority. And I think there are other priorities now as families are facing homelessness and as we see that cliff edge and a tsunami okay. of evictions likely. And not com- not opposition spokespersons are not saying this. This is coming from homeless charities okay. saying this is going to be disastrous. Cleve, yeah, this glad. is going to be disastrous. Why I is have, the minister in charge with, of this leaving the country at this point? I have to begin with the fact that uh, I would concur with Shane said every junior minister should be gone, every senior minister. And maybe you could talk to the Taoiseach and he might send the backbenchers as well. But I don't <laughs> think that will happen. I'll be in Cavan on a lorry and delighted to do that too. Um, the uh, lifting of the eviction ban, I just need to correct Ivan on a couple of points. And that is my understanding is it won't be a cliff edge uh, lifting of the ban, that this will be staged out and, and phased out rather until June. But there's still families who yeah. are going there to be two, evicted in uh, April who have no clue where they're going to live or two, what supports the government okay. have in place for them. Here, can I just say... This is not pleasant. None of it is. And Dara O'Brien, above all ministers, I think everybody would have to agree, has done played a blinder in terms of have, in, introducing so many different schemes to try and provide the housing that's required. Okay, a but four, can I yes, just no, 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 no. I just billion, I want to get to this specific point specific that Ivana has point, said. Okay, that the the moratorium. Sorry to put a question, Eve, but the moratorium uh, we heard yesterday is going to end on the thirty first of March. We have heard that there will be a number of measures, but as Ivana said, it's all really quite. Vague. No, it's not. It's uh, it very, is. It is. I can tell you too tonight. I can tell you tonight. The first thing is that the Minister for Housing has, has instructed all of the local authorities to get stuck in and start buying homes that tenants are in that are on a housing assistance uh, housing assistance grant. The other thing is if though if there are people in houses and they are their landlords are about to sell their houses, they're bringing in legislation now that they get the first legal option yes. of buying that but, house. But, that, that, but, but, but sorry, option, that legislation isn't in place. First of all, it should have been it should have been introduced over the last six months when the government had an opportunity to do so and wasn't. Now when it is necessary, when people are under pressure, should the minister not be here overseeing that legislation and ensure that it is introduced at the quickest Opportunity. I don't disagree with that, but the truth is, and let's not pretend it's any different. The doll is in recess next week. That legislation couldn't be moved on with it because because the doll's in recess, and it is not fair to say that there are no measures in place. That measure that I've just talked about there is where all of the local authorities, and they were instructed long before this, to start buying up homes the tenants are in. And can I just make the point too, Kira? There has also been provision made as well within government that for those people, and there's lots of them, as we know, that fall between the two nets, that don't um, are not eligible for housing assistance or being on a housing list yeah. and cannot afford that, those uh, people who fall within that, <clears throat> being given the first option first, as I said, to buy the home. The second option for them is okay. the local authority... That's not or, up and running. That's or, not up and running yet. I, I, I it's not that. Neil Smith. It's not I up appre- and running. I appreciate that, but you're not also taking into consideration that 30,000 houses have been built. There are houses being... All right. Uh, OK, we do voids. know all of this, but let's be honest, Neil Smith. If you listen to, to the airwaves picture. over the last couple of days... picture. Yeah, and people know that 30,000 houses have been built, um, but I don't know if that's going to be much use to the 2,700 people people who have eviction um, Okay, well, the other side of that is there are 150,000 the uh, small landlords in this country, okay? And there is no doubt that the housing crisis and those who have become ho- homeless continue to increase even with the eviction ba- ban. And oh. there is no doubt that the constant barrage, if you like, from the opposition of villainising yeah. landlords is certainly no, pushing okay. them out of the market. We're not okay, okay, but we're just and talking about part, whether or not... part of the solution. Neve Smith. Will people who feel or who think they're going to be evicted from their houses from the beginning of April feel that this is a priority for this minister if he is in Atlanta and Savannah and uh, America with seven other ministers next week? 
eight of them. I have to be, to, I have to be honest with you. People know that within those five days, those five working days, nothing is going to change dram mm. dramatically or drastically. And I, I go back to the point, the measures are being put in place to try and protect... All right. To try and, and the one thing Fianna Fáil was always known from government is trying to allow people to have a roof over their head and own their own home. Uh, Wendy, it's not do you happening think now. It's not happening. And do you think... I sometimes wonder, do, do, do the government really get how brutal it is for renters facing eviction at the moment. No, I think the, the social contract is totally broken. And the one thing that, you know, as we're discussing this, is that, of course, if the ban, well, as is going to happen, more people will become homeless. That is why all the homelessness charities are against it happening. However, that is just one of the routes to homelessness. There are many. And it's I'm sad to say that I'm not confident that the government has any sort of appetite or commitment to trying to tackle the root, the many root causes, causes I should say, that drive people towards homelessness. And I think that is the real issue here. Um, it's great that we're having a conversation about it, but what is the wider impact going to be? And I do think the other side of it is, and Neve tried to touch on a little bit, is there is a big difference between, um, you know, big companies that own hundreds of properties to small and accidental landlords, you know, who find, where they're literally trying to cover their mortgage and they themselves are an economic hardship. And some of, these, some of these people are in the situation where they're actually not able to pay their mortgage on a property. So I do think it needs to be looked at that there is um, various different scenarios and I don't think you can treat you know, the, the small accidental landlords in the same way as these big businesses that own so I'm just, many properties. I'm just conscious, uh, Shane, the Department of um, Foreign Affairs issued a statement about this. I think they called it the, you know, St. Patrick's Day extravaganza. They're going out to promote Ireland and yeah. it says, promote Ireland as an outstanding location to live, visit, work, invest, trade and study. Is it an outstanding location to live in at the moment? Well, and they say that when we're promoting Well, we're hardly going to go out and say it's not an outstanding place to live, in fairness. It, look, yeah. it has problems. We're not the only country in Europe that has problems. We're not the only country in Europe that has problems with housing. That's not to in any way understate uh, what's happening. Look, I think, going back to what Ivana is saying, and I, I said at the start it was more nuanced, and I, I absolutely accept it is, mm -hmm. I also think it's a very clever political move by Ivana and, and, and uh, Labour. I, I'm not entirely convinced by the doll, uh, the doll isn't sitting. Let's face it, the minister's not writing the legislation himself. His civil servants are going to be doing it. And he's not are the optics bad, though? Well, look, I, you know, the, I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking rarely of the, I'm interested. Thinking of those I'm actually though. rarely interested in optics. Personally, I can understand why politicians need to be... I, personally, I'm not interested in optics. The minister's not in, uh, on the planet Mars. Like, he's available on phone, he's available on email, he's available on Skype. I'm not convinced a huge amount is going to be happening over, the over those two days or, or whatever that... All right, that well, look, Evan, are you... Is, is this a real political stunt? Well, Look, we're not doing this to be politically clever. The reality is, I'm hearing every day from renters in my own constituency, which is a very high proportion of households in rental, 44% of our households in Dublin Bay South in rental accommodation. So I hear every day from renters who are petrified about what's happening with the, with the yeah, eviction ban uh, being ended. Oh, sure. And even, before, even when the eviction ban was in place, who were queuing for hours. I heard this week from a mother who tried 300 landlords before she would get one who would take her because she's on HAP and because she has children. That's the That's struggle. The Reality. She begged a landlord who eventually did take. And yes, of course, small accidental landlords. I hear from them all the time too. They are they are bearing the brunt okay. of the state's failure to provide housing. This government has failed, and it simply is not good. It's not a good look, and it's not a good practice for a government minister who is responsible for this to have decided not to extend an eviction ban, which was providing some small comfort to tenants, and then to take off when he's just floating kites around, he, he, flying kites around. About he'll what be on the phone, says Shane. 
Of course he will. But it's not a great, it's not great if you're renting and you're seeing that happen. <coughs> right. You're not hearing exactly what is going to be done. You know, we see another kite okay. being blown about incentives to keep landlords in the market, uh, new capital gains tax concessions. But let's see the detail of this. All you right. can't just Look, be flying kites at this stage when people are facing this cliff edge in the first of OK, we'll definitely get back to uh, this topic and to this issue. We're going to have to leave it there for now. My thanks to Shane and to Wendy for joining us this evening. After the break, the family of the Irish man who is being held in an Iranian prison he spoke to Claire Brock. You are very welcome back. Well, an Irish man who has been detained in Iran since October has been sentenced to six and a half years in prison, his family have said. Bernard Phelan has been accused of providing information to an enemy country, a charge he strongly denies. The Paris-based travel consultant was arrested while travelling and is being held in Mashhad in northeastern Iran, but authorities have refused to release him on humanitarian grounds, where Bernard's cousin, Gregory Okari Crow, spoke to Claire Brock earlier today as his family campaigned for his release. Um, Greg, if you would, maybe you could tell us what Bernard was um, doing in Iran, how he came to be in the country, and what was he doing at the time of his arrest? So Bernard is a travel consultant based in Paris, and he was developing his latest sort of tourism options uh, for European tourists to come to uh, Iran. It was his fifth trip, and um, he was working with uh, an Iranian uh, collaborator um, when he was visiting uh, the city of Mashhad. What's he accused of? What happened? So it's still pretty murky, murky sorry. Um, but uh, Bernard was originally accused of taking photos um, of a mosque of policemen. That changed to Bernard um, was accused of uh, stealing uh, 900 year old pieces of pottery. So the story kept changing. Okay, but it's escalated really quickly. Yes. He's already come before court. Yes. A judge has sentenced Bernard to three and a half years yeah. in prison. Yeah. And just recently, less than a week after that, so just in a yeah. couple of weeks gone by, that sentence has actually been nearly doubled. Yes. With no pardon expected. No. What's happened? So he languished for five months at the level of being accused nothing seemed to be moving and as you say then very rapidly um, he was brought before court he wasn't provided legal representation from his own human rights lawyer and he was sentenced uh, for sharing information with a foreign enemy um, to three and a half years it was a huge shock but there were medical uh, professionals with him who, who basically pleaded that Bernard's medical situation, his age, he, he really needed to be released on humanitarian grounds. So then it looked like it was going to be reversed. And so there was a great glimmer of hope in the family. And then six days later, he was brought right back and the pardon was rescinded and he was sentenced to six and a half years. So tell us about the prison conditions that he's enduring right now. So Bernard is in a uh, notorious prison in Mashhad. He's uh, sharing a, a large cell with uh, 18, 19 other people. Um, he has no tables, no chairs, there's no windows. There's a fuel shortage right now in Iran, so there's no heating. His, he can't cook food. Um, and uh, his bed is practically a low-lying bed on, on the floor. So every day 
there is a routine he tries to stick to to just keep body and soul and mentally strong um, but people in his prison have been recently executed um, so it's a terrifying experience and he also has an ailing health condition yes yeah, so Bernard even though he's quite a fit outdoors guy 64 years old he does have a number mm. uh, of chronic health issues um, his uh, heart condition is deteriorating he has a back issue that's deteriorating and he has uh, an eye condition that needs immediate care mm. so we're concerned that he's actually losing sight in his eye all right. In terms of assistance from the government, um, what the Department of Foreign Affairs in, is doing in all of this, we understand that uh, Minister Micheál Martin is in talks with Iran about Bernard's case. Has that offered any reassurance? Uh, I think it has initially, um, and uh, we appreciate the efforts of the Irish government. We take them at their word that they're continuing to put Bernard as a priority. And if we had more time, I think that would be something we would probably find sufficient. The problem is time is running out for Bernard. Uh, we're not sure how long he can hang on for. And so things have just got a lot more desperate. With this, uh, part of your plea in looking to bring attention onto Bernard's case is to tell the government, don't reopen right. the Irish embassy in Tehran. Uh, why, for you, is it so problematic to re-establish these diplomatic ties that the government are all in favour of doing? So, um, with regard to the intention to reopen a uh, embassy in Iran, um, we've certainly been advised that you know this could, in fact, be an improvement on their ability to bring Bernard home. And, and at first look, you'd think. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. The problem is that's a hypothetical. That's wishful thinking. The Irish government won't be able to guarantee that that actually would transpire. So I think we've taken the uh, other option, which is use Bernard's release as a precondition to opening uh, a new uh, embassy in Iran. So um, the argument really is shelve your plans until Bernard comes home. All right, and obviously you've put that plea out there. You've put that plea to government. What's the response been? Well, I think we're, we're waiting and seeing. I mean, today is really the day where, where we, we launch those two very important developments, the serious deterioration in Bernard's situation, which is really troubling, and that at the same time, our plans seem to be proceeding to normalise relations with a country that at any moment could pick an Irish citizen off the street throw them in a van, lock them up, with no accepted sense of judicial process. Why, why would we risk that? I know that the family is obviously deeply concerned for Bernard's well-being. His father is 97 years of age. Um, he's put out his own personal appeal. Yes. Uh, what, what's he said? Well, you know, Vincent, in many ways, he's the symbol of, of Ireland. He's 97 years old. His life has spanned the arc of this nation. He was born just a few years after uh, independence. And uh, he, he takes people at their word. If they're going to say what they're going to do, he will say, OK. But he is now worried that um, his hopes might be dashed. He might never see his son. Uh, that's, that, that's the real worry. Uh, and I think it would be a real tragedy not just for Bernard, but for Vincent and his family as well. All right, Greg, thank you for speaking to us. Thank you very much.
Well, Labour's Ivana Bashik and Fianna Fáil's Neve Smith are still with me here. Time is running out for Bernard. That's what Gregory said there. What more could the Irish government be doing at this point, do you think, Ivana? Well, first, just to send huge sympathies to Bernard's family, appalling conditions that he's being held in. I have read a letter he wrote to his father describing those conditions in detail. They're truly horrific. The regime in Iran is a brutal and barbarous regime. We've seen what they've done to their own people, their own protesters who've dared to go out and look for women's rights. So I don't think we should be reopening diplomatic relations with them. But I would say this. I did also speak with the Tanish this evening about Bernard's case. I'll certainly be pressing as hard as I can. I know the government is pushing hard in every at every, at every opportunity and using every vehicle they can. But it is essential that Bernard is released on humanitarian grounds. I mean, clearly his health is deteriorating. He's being held in these appalling conditions. And I think we need to use every method at our disposal to press the Iranian authorities to release him on humanitarian grounds. Uh, Neve, do you agree with Ivana that, and the family, that the embassy should not be reopened in Tehran until Bernard is released? Yeah, well, I, I completely understand uh, where the family are coming and, you know, they feel that there's an opportunity there to, you know, have somebody actually listen to their, their plea and their plight. I do believe diplomatic, you know, opportunities and avenues are really important. Um, and I'm sure, I'm glad to hear the family saying that they have the first-hand experience that the government are doing their very best and, and our Thonish, the Michal Martin is doing that. And those plans will be continued right. to be reviewed. So I'm sure that that negotiation between them will continue. All right, look, we're going to have to leave it there. And my thanks to all my guests, my panel this evening. That's it from us here. Good night and do take care. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.